Thank you for listening to a podcast of Rock Church. For more information on sermons and events, connect with us online at rockchurchnow.com or search Rock Church Now in the App Store. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We worship you today, Jesus. Come on. Jesus, you are our king in this place, God. We give you all the glory here today. We give you all the praise, God. You are our king. You are our savior, God. Today, we give you everything we have, God, that we would build our lives upon your love, God. Not upon my love, not upon our love, but your love, Jesus. Would you open our eyes today, we pray. Would you open our eyes to the things that you would have us see, God. Move in our hearts, we pray. Move in this place, we pray, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Hey, everybody, you can be seated. Good morning to you. Wow. Uh, If you have not met me before, my name is Roy. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. (laughs) Appreciate it. I am excited to speak with you today. Uh, A couple of different things before we get started here. We have a great message uh, planned. Hopefully, uh, God really touches our hearts in a lot of different ways, opens our eyes. Nothing that I can do, but hopefully that God can do in each each and one of our lives. I just want to say thank you to Pastor Angelo and Kim for the opportunity. You guys are awesome. Um, It's awesome working here at Rock Church. It really is. I don't know if you know, but there are like churches that are like the pastors work there and the people are very hard to deal with. That is not Rock Church. So I, I just love that you guys are uh, just a great church to work with. We have a great staff. Can we give a round of applause for the staff here at Rock Church? Yeah. We have a great staff. They work tirelessly. I had to tell Pastor Peyton, who was up here earlier, I was like, hey, go home, man. You're here every night. Like, let's, you have a fiance now. You know what I'm saying? So I uh, love working here. Since I started working here, uh, I have had more than normal amount of plumbing projects in my life. Can I just tell you? Uh, I, none of it here. The plumbing at the, at the church is great. No, it is. But if you didn't know, Pastor Angel used to be a plumber. And so every time one of these projects come in my life, I go to Pastor Angelo and I usually like like sideways ask him what to do, right? And he usually gives me a few pointers and then it's like, hey, uh, that's going to cost you 20 bucks. And I go, okay, thanks. No, no, no. So, so, so recently, let me tell you a quick story. Recently, I tried to help my sister with a plumbing issue. My sister, Laura, I'm the oldest of three. How many of you are the oldest in the room? You have siblings, you're the oldest? Yes, you are the chosen ones. Very good. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, 
I'm the oldest of three. My sister, Laura, she's the middle child. And now that we're adults, we have to build relationships, you know? Like, it's not like we're kids anymore, you know? I got to mend all the, like, the bruises I put in her life since a child, you know? I taught her all these things that she wishes I never taught her as a kid. And so I feel like I have to build my relationship back up with my sister. So I'm helping her with a plumbing project. That's what's going on. I'm helping her with the plumbing project. In her backyard, there is a, uh, in Gross Point Woods, the, the, the land kind of goes down near her backyard. Backyard. And so every spring when the, the, the snow melts, her backyard floods. And so and she also has a dog. How many of you have a dog in the room? Raise your hand. God bless you guys. This is the best. I love dogs. But how many of you know also that all winter long, they take care of their business in the backyard? You know what I'm saying? And sometimes in the spring, you got a spring cleanup on your hands, right? So my sister has this perfect storm about to happen in her backyard where the flood, the, 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 summer, the summer's coming, it's springtime, the, the snow melts and the flood rises in her backyard and there's lots of other things in the backyard that rise with it. And now usually there is a sump pump in the backyard next to the garage. A sump pump is this thing, it's a pump in the ground or in your basement with a big tank around it, right? And, it, and the water gets in it, it pumps the water out and somewhere else. So my sister has one in her backyard. It pumps the water out every spring, and it goes to the street, or so it's supposed to. So it wasn't working at all. So she called me up and said, hey, can you help me? And said, yeah, sure, yeah, I know all about plumbing. It's fine. And uh, I asked, you know, I should have asked Pastor Angela uh, how to help here, but she got a snake. She, she got it out. It, it, we, were, we were cleaning it out. We got the sump pump working and everything. But I have to tell you, I had a casualty in the process. I was there a, a Sunday afternoon, and I'm leaning over the sump pump, right? And there's water and things everywhere. And I'm leaning over, and uh, in my front pocket is my cell phone, right? Yeah. And so it's, it's full. The sump pump is full. And my cell phone, as I lean over, drops into the murky water. As a millennial, I'm flipping out. My world is coming to the end. I'm not going to make it. Pure instinct. Reach in, full coat, everything. I'm dig shoulder deep into this, just grabbing anything I can to find the cell phone. I find it, and I like rip it out, and I'm like overwhelmed with like what's going on in my life. And, but at the same time, I just put it down, take like all my clothes off. I like, don't know what to do with myself because I'm so nasty. And uh, well, that was pretty much what happened. <laughs> yeah. My mom saved the day. She put the phone in rice. It didn't work. We had to buy a new phone. Uh, it's okay. It's, it's worth it because I did a good deed and I helped my sister. You know what I'm saying? It's worth it. I love my sister. Great older brother. Okay. Uh, I want to, uh, the reason I tell you this story today is because I think sometimes we have a lot of junk in our lives. Sometimes we have a lot of junk in our lives. And today we're going to talk a little bit about this, um, this idea that there are things in our lives that we need to take care of. Now, based on your life, you could live in a multiple different types of ways, right? One of the ways we live is by surviving. It's seasons of our life where we survive. It's all about getting through the day. What does it take to get through the day? I just need to get through the day. Others of the time, it's like, how do I pay all the bills by the end of the month? As long as I survive this week or this month, I'm making it. And there's seasons like that in our life. And some of you are in that season now. I've been in that season before too. It's a tough season to be in, the surviving type season. Other seasons of our life are more like goals 
seasons. And I don't like using the word goal because we don't like using the word goal either. And so, uh, it's, but it's kind of like this. Anything you want to do in your life to change it is reasonably close to you. Enough that you can just grab it and change in your life. Whether that's uh, you don't want to eat ice cream tonight, be, like before bed. You're like, I'm not going to eat ice cream. You can do that. That's a goal that you can accomplish. It's actually not that complicated. You see the goal, you can reach it, you can grab it, you can do it. Now, not eating ice cream every night for the next year, that's a whole nother, that's a dream. You know what I'm saying? Now, there are parts of our lives that are dreams, And we move from like this kind of goal-setting area of our life, which is most of our life, to this dream time where we start living for our dreams. And this is very complicated because dreams are not reachable, right? You can't reach them. You can't say, oh, that's the thing. I'll just do it. A lot of times dreams are hidden. You just know kind of what it feels like. Or other times you know it's down the street, take a left and take another right three miles and there's the dream, but you never actually can see the dream. Some of you in the room, wonderful. You know your dreams and praise God. Like that's the best. At least you can know how to move from step to step towards your dreams. But most of us in the room, dreams are this elusive thing that we know God has plans for, but we don't know what they are. So we're somewhere in the mix of that. And wherever you are today, whether you're surviving, whether you're chasing after your dreams, or you've just got these goals in front of you, it's okay. We are going to be real today. Somebody say real. Yes, real. So uh, authenticity is one of our values here. Authenticity, uh, it's in your um, notes. It's, it's blank, so you, can, so you can guess what it is. Authenticity is, is we chase dangerous dreams. No, no, it's not. No, that's, that's, that's courage. Uh, authenticity is we refuse to play church. We refuse to play church. Now, I wanted to bring this up before we get into the message. If you're looking for the Bible verse today, it's Ephesians chapter 2. We'll get there in just a minute. Um, we refuse to play church. Do you know what that means? First of all, we've talked about this for like four weeks now. And by, I, I, I just, Joe pointed it out to me on Thursday. He's like, you know, we've talked about this for four weeks. I think God is doing something. And so I want to point out to you that authenticity, we refuse to play church, does not just apply to the pastors. Now, Pastor Angela, praise the Lord, he's very authentic. So like, we don't have to be like, oh, pastor, be more authentic. No, 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 pastor's authentic. The pastoral staff, be more authentic. Great, we can do that. But you know what it applies to mostly? You. You. We refuse to play church. So let's be real today as we identify some things in our lives that we authentically don't have everything together. We don't. Now, some of you in the room think that what I mean is by being vulnerable. Yes, Be vulnerable. Tell people the things that you're dealing with. But a lot of times, authenticity has a lot more about you not playing church. You come in here, pretend like you're a holier-than-thou Christian, and you live your life in a completely different way. And you got everybody convinced. Now, I know that, that a lot of you are in that spot because a lot of you, God has brought you out of it, right? But some of you are still in the spot. And can I just challenge you today to be open and real with your life as we talk about these things and let God shed light on parts of your life that have been darkened. Like we can do that today. The subject of of the message today is called dreaming with the lights on. Dreaming with the lights on. And the idea here is that many times in our lives, we want to go after our dreams. We want to accomplish something big. 
but we don't really want to know where we are. We kind of want to keep our eyes closed and just dream about the good stuff in the future and never really understand what's going on in our life today. And so the idea here is that your life is like a big room, okay? It's like like maybe this room. Your life is like this room, but you're the only one in it. Or at home, wherever you are. Maybe you just erase all the other people in your room. It's just you, okay? And close your eyes, and that's, that's your life. Now, if the room is dark, you can't see what's all around you. But if the lights get turned on, you're able to see the things that are in your life that are causing influence in your life, that are causing you to stumble, that are causing you to move forward and motivate you and cheer you on. But in your room, in your life, it's, it's about time we understand what's affecting us. So that's the idea we're talking about today. We're going to get into it in just a little bit. But first, let's get into Ephesians uh, chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 10. You guys are worth fighting for. Yes? You're worth fighting for. You're worth dying for. You're worth dreaming for. You're worth being created and recreated for. You know, as Pastor Angelo mentioned about Memorial Day, people have died for this country. We remember them. We honor them. They've died for you. So you have to fight for you too. You know what I'm saying? Otherwise, it's in vain. So let's fight for each other today. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. This is in the New Living Translation. It'll be different than your normal translation on purpose, but let's, let's read it. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Who is in the spirit at work in our hearts? The devil. All of us used to live that way. Somebody say all. All. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Verse 4, But God is so rich in mercy, that he loved us so much, that though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point, us, point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth and his, of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. We're almost done. Keep going. Here we go. Verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do all all, we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Jesus, as we, as we talk today, I ask that you, I invite you into this place, that you would continue to, to impact our hearts as the service continues, and that, God, you would show us, that you would open our eyes, that you would turn the lights on in our life, that we would be able to move forward uh, with where we are in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Thanks for dealing with the uh, 10 verses. You did great, uh, all right? It's talking about these good deeds that God planned for us long ago, uh, it's, it's which, which I would call dreams, which I would call dreams. Um, I've got three points for you today. The first point 
is our nature. Our nature. It says this, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers and the unseen world. He is at the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. We have a sinful nature. A sinful nature. The Bible is clear about this. Now, as you grow in your relationship with God, you must wrestle with the Bible and decide for yourself whether you believe this thing is true or not. Now, there are some times that it's, true, that it's always true, but there are some times when you grow, especially in your new, in your new believer, where the Bible is saying things that you don't like. But you have to be able to bend your opinions toward what the Bible is actually saying. This is an important thing. For me, I don't like this. I don't like that our nature is sinful. I like the idea that we're all good and I can trust everybody and everybody's great. Like that personally, just to be vulnerable with you, that's what I wish it said. But I trust and I believe that we all have a sinful nature and it's from sin that we start. Because that's what the Bible says. So I might not like that, but early on, I bend my opinions to what the Bible says. I now believe what the Bible says, even though I like something different. Does that make sense? Many times this happens. But I need to explain to you something, that our nature is sinful and Satan is real. Satan is real. Now, according to this scripture right here, Satan is the commander of the powers in the unseen world. So you and I have to understand that there's an unseen world, and Satan is in the command. He's the commander. Jesus says that Satan is the ruler of this world. We have to understand that underneath this whole thing, or behind the scenes, Satan is at work trying to steal, kill, and destroy your life. Now, that is foundational to the Bible, and we have to believe it. So even if you don't like it, or you don't like the idea of like this red guy with horns or whatever, like it's probably not Satan, but you know, that's what we think. He's real. He is real. And our nature is sinful. Now, for those of you in the room and online today that believe that uh, maybe you don't believe in God yet, am I telling you that your heart is a, are you a devil worshiper? No, I'm not saying that you're a devil worshiper. And that's not what this is saying either. But it is saying that you are obeying the devil in your sinful nature foundational to how you live your life is that your nature is sinful. You know, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like an operating system in your phone. How many of you have a phone, a smartphone? Looks just like this. Yes. Have you seen these before? This one did not fall into the sump pump. Um, on your phone, you have an operating system. If you turn your phone on, you can see how it works. You can slide down, you can slide up, you can text where your apps are at, all of the things in your phone, the way it handles, the way it looks, all of that is called the operating system. And yearly, it gets, it gets updated on your phone. And so this is an important thing to remember because like in our lives, our sinful nature is our default operating system. It is our default operating system. And it is how you operate. So if you want to come up with your own dream outside of godly principles, that will be an evil dream. Now, it could be good in premise and humanity could think it's great, but it will turn out to destroy your life in one way or another. Your normal operating system is sin. 
So you have to understand that if you would like to accomplish something that is godly in this world, you're going to have to change your operating system. Now, it's hard, to, it's hard to do that because we just, it, it's, it's complicated. Now, when you give your life to Jesus, he renews you. He gives you a new operating system. He's going to reset the ways that you work. He's going to say, it's going to be different how you think. You can't think like you used to anymore. You can't say the things like you used to anymore. You can't just believe whatever you want like you used to. He's going to, he's going to renew you with a new operating system. But until you give your life to God, you will continually find that all of your plans end up hurting you and hurting people around you. That's real. That's what the Bible says, at least. Now, this is important because you cannot live for God without confronting your sinful nature. You can't. And some of you have never done this. Some of you have just like, just been like, I'm just going to live for God, which is great. It's, it's not actually bad. But the problem is you don't, we have a struggle or a tension to manage with the old man or the old life or the flesh that's upon us. The Bible has a lot of different words for this. But this idea that every morning when you wake up, you have to choose the operating system that you're going to run with that day. And even though God gave you a new operating system, you can easily boot up that old one. You know what I'm saying? And so some of us say we have to realize that that is real. And I'd like you to turn the lights on of your life, to ask yourself, am I living in my, for my sinful nature still? Am I just, what does the Bible say? Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature? Am I doing that? I, we need to turn the light on today. Other the times, in the beginning, it says you were once dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Do you ever feel like you're like dead to this world? You're dead to spiritual life? This could be part of that. There are legitimate sins in our life, things that we do, things we actually decide to do that are against God. Maybe we need to turn the light on in our life to see, are these in, are these in my world? Are these influencing me? Am I doing this? Because I think a lot of times we just choose to ignore it. Oh, that's nighttime Roy. Nighttime Roy doesn't count. Oh, I'm on vacation. This is different. Right? Oh, this is Memorial Day weekend. I get a chance for myself. I can do what I want here. So, turn the lights on in your life. We're going to have a moment at the end of service. We're going to just reflect on our lives and be able to say, okay, is there something, God, that I'm doing that is part of my sinful original nature? And we can address it together. So, my first point is our nature. My second point is our attempt. Our attempt. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none can boast about it. Oh, man. So, this is the Bible. <laughs> you have one. You have one because the, I think the majority of Americans have like three in their home or something like that. There's like this average. Uh, it's not like that all the Americans are like following Jesus. It's just we really like the Bible. And uh, we do. It's the number one most sold thing in, it's the number one most sold book in the world. And it's the number one most stolen book in the world. It is. It's important, this thing. And in the middle, uh, there's, this, there's this thing. It's like the Old Testament and the New Testament. You see that? This is the New Testament, old, 36 books, 27 books, something like that. 39, I don't know. Um, <laughs> In the middle, there's this thing called the New Testament, right? 
And the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is how God interacts with people. He interacts with people differently in the Old Testament. Now, it's the same God. God never changes. In fact, you can read about God's real emotions and how he reacts in the Old Testament. And those emotions are real today. But God does not interact with us the same way as the Old Testament. You see, the Old Testament means old covenant or old law or old agreement or old memorandum of understanding. It was a commitment between God and people of how God would act and how people would act. And this commitment was all about, hey, if you do this, I'll do that. If you do this, I'll do that. In fact, if you don't do this, you'll die. Like, it's like this, this commitment, and you can read about it. He made it with Abraham, and then Moses wrote down laws about it. So if you read the first five books of the Bible, you'll read all about these laws. Like, hey, if you do this sin, this is what you need to do to be pure. You need to sacrifice this animal. If you do this, this is what you need to be pure. You have to sacrifice that animal. And it's almost like there's this game of count your decisions and then figure out a way to be pure of them. The problem is that our God is a completely pure and holy God. Holy meaning unique. Holy God. And the problem is because he's 100% pure and you're not, you have a sinful nature, you can never be with God. Because the minute he hangs out with you is the minute he is not pure anymore. And a pure being simply cannot be with an impure one. It's like math, right? Or physics. It's just that it cannot work. And so the, the plan in the Old Testament was like, hey, look, you count, you, you try to do the best you can and you ask that you're going to be, uh, you're going to sacrifice these things and you're going to be pure so you can be with God. That's the plan. It was kind of like counting your goodness. Your goodness really mattered. It really determined you, like what you could accomplish in this world and how you related to God. But we don't live in these times anymore. We live in a new covenant or a new memorandum of understanding, a new deal with God. And the deal is different. And I feel like, I know, like none of you even lived in Old Testament days. That was like 2,000 years ago. But for some, for some reason, we still act the same way. We still act like our value and our goodness go hand in hand. Or somehow that if, we are, if we're good enough, maybe we can go to heaven. Sociologists proved this. They said that the majority of Americans today who are Christians believe that if they do good things, good things will happen to them. If they do bad things, bad things will happen to them. If their God is more has to do with outweighing the good than the bad. And in our life, that cannot be the case. That cannot be the case. Because you, just like the Old Testament people, have a sinful nature and it will not work. You cannot earn your way to heaven. It won't work. Now, it's kind of, it's kind of like uh, those movies. You ever see like those lawyer movies or like um, those TV shows? I love shows. I love TV way too much, right? Uh, I, you ever see those shows where like a, a lawyer company is like arguing with another company and, and you get to watch the, the, the lawyers do an all-nighter, and they have Chinese food or something, and they're at a desk, and they're, they're sitting there, and uh, they've got these boxes. I don't know where they get these boxes. I think we have like three in the church. Uh, but they're file boxes. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're always in these shows. They got a box here. It's full of files. They got another box on top. They got boxes all over the place. They have files everywhere. They need to 
prove that they're right. They're in a case. They got to make an argument. They got to show, no, 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 look at this file. This is what it says. They're building a case. You see, you think, you see, a lot of times, I think in our life, if we were to turn the lights on in our life, we've got cases of files all around us that for some reason we're trying to convince God that we're good enough to be with him. Now, I don't think we do this on purpose. I think a lot of times it's like subconscious, but at the same time, look, 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 look. Your value has nothing to do with your good deeds. None. Like, I know I helped Laura, my sister. She loved plumbing, and that was a good deed. But if I take that file case, right, and I put it in my room, and I say, hey, God, like, no, no, no. Look at how good of a person I am. Look, the file, it's right here. That means nothing. Nothing. But I think a lot of us today, whether you believe it or not, are trying to build this case with God to prove your goodness or to prove your salvation. And your value has nothing to do with your works. That's hard. Because I know that your works are important, right? Like helping Laura was good. Like it helped her. Right? Like it, was, it had intrinsic, intrinsic value to help someone else. But it doesn't matter when it comes to my value as a human with Jesus. Okay? I want, I want you to put these things together today. I want to talk a little bit about something. And I felt like God was leading, leading me on this uh, in my heart. And um, I hope this comes out right because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or whatever. But um, we, have to, we have to decide what the motive is behind our good works. I remember I was in a, uh, I, I heard this said once. It was, it was in people like us, like in churches like us today, and someone said, I was almost lost to religion. I was almost lost to religion. And I thought to myself, oh, like Buddhism, like, right, like, like ritualistic religion, like you were almost lost to re- religion. And it really, God really spoke to me about this because it was like something in my heart that I needed to process through. It was something that I needed to figure out. Am I also lost to religion? Because I don't feel very religious in the negative way, right? I don't feel very religious. But I think a lot of times, just like building a case to our Father, we end up following things that we were never meant to follow. And so a lot of times we build this like effigy or like this person of a Christian. This is what a Christian looks like. I need to do what the Christian looks like. I need to like say the things they say. I need to do the things they do. I need to read the things they read. I need to talk like they talk on Facebook. I need to do all the things that the Christian does. And we end up believing so much that we need to act like this thing that we end up losing sight of what we're really here and what we're really doing. It's kind of like this. And I've seen it a lot this past year. It's kind of like this. We end up fighting or worshiping the kingdom of God and we stop worshiping the king. And for me, I started worshiping the process of Christianity. What's the process? How do I move from step to step? How do I become better? How do I do more? I start worshiping the process of Christianity instead of worshiping the person that it's about. So you get this kingdom, king, process, person, right? 
we end up losing track, like losing sight of what we're really doing. We're just actually talking about a common belief system with a common enemy. We're just another tribe in the world who believe and look like each other. We aren't supposed to. We're supposed to believe and look like Jesus. That is who we're supposed to look like. So if you're here at church today, or if you're doing this thing called Christianity over and over again, and you have become in love with this system, please focus back on the Savior who brought you here. Please, please, please. Because it's so frustrating as a young person to watch people just kind of get distracted, especially people you look up to. You get distracted and just start worshiping this thing, this process, instead of the person behind it. But I wonder if we turn the lights on in our life, if we'd see that all around us are motivations built in the wrong place. So my second point is our attempt. And my third point is our recreation, our recreation. Ephesians 2, 10, our recreation, our recreation, recreation. Um, Let me read it to you. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece. I wish, like, how many of us actually believe this, that you are God's masterpiece, right? I think a lot of times we like to be, no, 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 no. I'm humble. I'm humble. I'm not God's masterpiece. I'm just like, Three steps below God's masterpiece. You know what I'm saying? No. That's not what humility means. Humility is understanding your faults and your strengths. It doesn't mean you just downplay your life all the time. No, no, no. Not God's masterpiece. That's, that's Pastor Peyton. He's God's masterpiece. I'm like three steps below. For we are God's masterpiece, and he created us anew in Christ Jesus. The words created us anew mean that he has created us anew, he is creating us anew, and he is continually creating us anew as our life continues. Uh, This is not a word that just happened one day when I gave my life to Jesus. This is something that continually happens in our life. We have to make it happen. And I think a lot of times we get stuck with this whole creation process in our life. God is trying to uh, get you somewhere. He's got a dream for your life. He's got something for you, but we get stuck in this recreation idea, almost like, no, 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 that happened already. That already happened. I, I have to, I, I, no, God is, God is going to recreate you over and over again, however hard that may feel or is. I was talking to Pastor Steve about this, and he was trying to uh, explain to me that, that this is happening to you, that you have, no, you, you have no part in the act. It's almost like something is, the word created us here means God is happening to you, and you can't like, you can't like, it's nothing to do with your actions and opinions. It's just happening to you. And I thought, like, that's, that's really good. Like, I, because a lot of times I get in my head all about, like, oh, I got to get created. Like I said, I worship the process and not the person. And I got to figure out how to get to the next step. But God is doing this to you in your life so that he can create God's, his, you to be a masterpiece. Jeremiah 29, 11 is like our favorite verse. We say it all the time. People say it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans, plural, plans, plans, 
plans. Important that it's plans, because how many of you know, like, I've messed up God's plan in my life many times. God has another plan. He's got another plan. He's got multiple plans. Many of you are like, no, I'm done. I can't make it. I've never made it. I, I've messed up God's plan for my life. He's got another plan. He's got plans on plans. They're coming. You can't stop them. And a lot of times we get so like downcast and so like upset about who we are and what we're, our actions and our sinful nature. There's no way that God can actually use me. No, he can. He's got more plans. And at the end of this verse here, it says, and the good things he has planned for us long ago. These are, should be at least, our dreams. Our dreams. Our dreams should not be just the, the, the best thing we can think about in our life or the, 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 the most creative idea we can come with. Are, come up with. Our dreams are the things that God has placed in our life that we don't even know are happening or coming one day. These are the dreams we go after. We're talking about let's dream, Rock Church. Let's dream. We're talking about all the things that Rock Church can be one day and is today. Like it's, this, it's happening. It's going forward. So the question is, what are your dreams? What are your dreams? And you might not know what they are, and I don't know what all of my dreams are either, but I do know this, that God is creating me anew into his masterpiece to accomplish these dreams, these plans. I mean, I think it's wonderful that God actually uh, is preparing me for his future plans without me even seeing what those look like. Now, we get stuck sometimes though, right? We get stuck because we like, no, God doesn't have any plans for me. I don't see anything down the corner. I can't reach any good thing in front of me. I'm just going to stay where I'm at. I'm just going to stay here because I don't know. I, don't, I think I'm done. You're not done. You can never get, you can never get to where you want to go if you don't know where you are. You can never get to where you want to go if you don't know where you are. And then the next step is if you, you'll never get to where you want to go if you, don't, if, you don't, if you stay where you are. That's the next step. But I don't even want to talk about that today. I don't want to talk about moving from where you're at. All I care about is that we turn the lights on in our lives and start to understand where we are. There are things in our life we just choose. I don't know why this happens. We just choose to ignore them. They're just happening behind the scenes, deep in our hearts, in our brains, where no one can see it. It's happening, and we don't understand that we have stopped ourselves from going forward. We have stopped God from creating us anew. We've actively chosen to let things in our life that aren't godly. And when you do that, you stop God from working in your life. You can always tell no. You can always tell God no. No, I'm done. And, and I, I don't think you would ever want to do that, right? But we end up doing it anyway, subconsciously, or because we don't want to change where we're at. Because God's like, no, I want you to become this. And you're like, uh, no, I want to stay where I'm at, right? But it, it's more like God saying, hey, you need to change this area of your life. And you're like, oh, right, I'll do that next year. Oh, right, I'll do that next week. It's the same thing. You're pausing the plans God has for you. It's kind of like GPS. So I'm reading this crazy book. I don't know if it's legit or not, but uh, I don't. But I just read, it's on audiobook. I don't even, I don't even know the name. Uh, but it's talking about 
uh, triangulation, right? So I, I know you guys are like, what, who is this person? Uh, you're talking about, it's talking about triangulation, this idea that a long time ago, when you were in a ship and you wanted to get somewhere, you had to like be able to, you, people had problems finding where they needed to go because you only had the stars at night and you only had the sun in the day. And so how would you actually like get to where you are? And they were talking about how hard it was to get to Bermuda because it's in the middle of the, the ocean and people couldn't figure out how to get there. One, because they couldn't see it. But two, because they didn't know where they were. They were just in the ocean somewhere. And nowadays, we don't have that. We have GPS, right? With global positioning satellites or something like that. There are these little satellites flying fast around, around the earth. In fact, they're closer than all the other satellites. They're like the like satellite radio, those are way far away. But these guys, they're close and they're moving fast around earth. And three, it takes three satellites to position you. Now, you ha- these satellites are sending information all the time. And if you picked up your phone and you went into the bowels of your phone, you could find the GPS you can find the GPS location of where you're at. And it's because of these systems and because of these satellites that you're actually able to find out where you are. And uh, the band, band, if you guys can come up in just a little bit here. If you don't know where you are today, I think maybe it's time to get some people in your life to help show you where you are. Just like the satellites, it takes three people. You got to have people in your life. So my whole objective in today's message is, is getting us unstuck or getting our lights turned on when it comes to our relationship with God. And that, beca- that can be an epiphany or a moral or a choice for you to just say, yes, I want to actually see what's in my life. Or it can be more of a, a conversation you have with someone else. You are rock church. You're a church that God put together for a reason. And the people around you, even, the, even you guys online, there is a reason that there's people in your life. You need them. Join a group. Find something. Find a way to connect. Join New Life. Do something where you can let people into your life who can speak to you. This is going to become critical to Christianity over the next 100 years, probably the next 10 years. No one connects anymore, right? It's all fake connection. But God created a way for us to grow by connecting. So we have to learn how to do it. You have to. It's not like a fun option that only those who are extroverts who like to eat, you know, can actually. No, you have to. You have to connect. You have to let people in. There are areas of your life that will only grow if you get people in them. And so this is my message today. You can never get to where you want to go if you don't know where you are. So where are you? Where are you? I think that Rock Church is an authentic place. I do. I do. You can clap. It's okay. Uh, I just can't, I just, could you imagine what this place would look like? With, is continually to have with no masks on, what this place would look like when we understand where we're at and where we're going, when we're accomplishing the dreams God has for us. Could you understand what this place would look like? I would be so busy. You guys would always want to start nonprofits and stuff. I'd be like, oh my goodness, enough nonprofits. 
I know you're accomplishing, Rock Church is accomplishing his dreams when you guys want to start nonprofits all the time, right? Like, what is it that God has put in your place? And what is it that you can reach? What is it that God is planning in your life? But more importantly, where are you? Where are you? Stand up with me, will you? We're going to end today, Memorial Day weekend. I love Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, I'm sorry. You have to work. Uh, if you'd like to connect, we have the connection room open after, after service here. You can come and talk to me. I'll be over there in the room over there. But um, the reason I love Memorial Day weekend, besides the fact that we get to honor these people, is the fact that you get one day extra of rest for those of you who don't work. And this little moment, this is, don't, don't look down upon it. This little moment is enough for God to get your attention. And in my life, Memorial Days, God has gotten my attention because I'm just go, 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 go. Next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing. And I never slow down to turn the lights on in my life. Never slow down to realize what I'm doing. Never slow down to realize that I'm worshiping someone that I'm not even called to worship. I've worshiped something else. Like never slow down enough. So the challenge is to turn the lights on in your life. And some of you, like me, are like more like, hey, let's, I'll do it right now. What do we need to do? Others of you need some time to figure this out in your life. So take the next 24 hours and figure out a time where you can get alone with God and he can at least speak to the areas of your life. Okay, that's your challenge. That's your homework. But we're gonna end this service with an opportunity to respond to the message today. That means that we're gonna open up these altars that you can come and pray at. If you're at home, you can make a safe and make a spiritual spot in your home where you can pray. But I want us to respond, everybody, to respond to this message in the way that you want to respond. So if everybody can close your eyes, bow your heads with me. If you're in this room today and you look at your life, visualize in your brain, visualize your life like a big room, like this room, but visualize, and it's dark, it's dark. Where you're at is dark. Visualize turning those lights on. Turning those lights on. What's around you? What's influencing you? What do you have? What's secret? What are you not telling anyone? What areas of your life are you not letting God speak to you about? For those of you in this room, keep your eyes closed. For those of you in this room, if there's something there, something there that you need to address, something that you need to talk about, would you raise your hand? That's you. You have, you have something in your life. You need to address this thing. Raise your hand. Great. You guys can put your hands down. Let today be the day you address it. At least look at it. Others of you in the room, keep your eyes closed. It's like, it's like no matter what you do, you feel stuck with Jesus. You feel stuck. Like this whole, I'm going to be recreated into a masterpiece situation. It's like, man, I've been trying to be recreated into a masterpiece for 20 years. It's the same old, same old. For those of you in the room who feel stuck, raise your hand. Like, that's you. I'm stuck. I'm stuck with my relationship with God. I'm stuck. It's great. You guys can put your hands down. You guys can open your eyes. I want to take a moment all together right now to pray about these things, that God would speak to our hearts and that we would address the things in our life, okay? I wish I could tell you all the sins and all of the things, but I'm going to let you and Jesus figure that out together. I'm going to respect you enough and respect the Holy Spirit enough to deal with you on a heart level. So the, during this next song, I want you to pray. Come up to the front if you want. You can pray there. And make a commitment to the Lord. It's like, I'm going to address this stuff. I'm going to look at this in the next 24 hours. Agree? You can do this. You can do this. Please. No, you can do this. You can. 
I know it's hard. It's okay. You can do it. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you today for your moments. And thank you so much for the moments that you've built in our lives. Lord, would you continue to lead us today as we talk through these things. Lord, that you are our king. We don't worship the kingdom. We worship you, the king. God, we know that our nature is sinful. Lord, we, uh, would you upgrade our operating system today? We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Would you help us turn the lights on in our life? In Jesus' name, amen. That concludes this week's podcast. To stay up to date with all things Rock Church, you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram as Rock Church MI.